Welcome to the show, everybody. My name is Danny Cola, and on this episode, I have Phil Filipovich, the kicking coach. This guy is a five-year NFL veteran. He uh, punted for the Dallas Cowboys and a few other teams in the NFL. I get to sit down with Phil today and talk a little bit about how kickers prep themselves mentally and physically. We talk a little bit about his career personally and how he developed... Personally, I learned a lot from Phil when I first started kicking back in 2010. So it was really fun to sit down and have this conversation and pick his brain a little bit right before the Super Bowl. This episode is brought to you by Action Coffee. Go to www.drinkaction.com. That's action with a K, A K T I O N. Get 12% off your order when you use promo code Danny at checkout. Some of the best coffee beans from Antigua, Guatemala. One of my favorite ways to start the day is by taking a cup of action coffee. All right, let's start this show. Enjoy, everybody. All right, Phil Filipovich, man. Thank you so much for doing my podcast. Uh, You were a huge influence to me when I was learning how to kick and in college. So I'm just really glad that I we can take the time here so I can pick your brain and inform the people what kicking is all about. Yeah, you're welcome, man. I would love to answer more questions about kicking. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit first about your career and how you came over from Europe and got into kicking and punting yourself as a, as a high schooler into your college career. Uh, well, I came over now when I was uh, 15 from Serbia and then uh, I played uh, high school basketball in Youngstown, Ohio. Uh, I was hoping to go on to play in college or possibly beyond uh, as my dream, but you know I wasn't getting much taller than six one. Um, so yeah, basketball was, is pretty big in Serbia, right? Uh, it is. It is. Uh, there's a couple sports. There's really not that many sports to play in Serbia, and basketball is one of them. It's basketball, soccer, or tennis, basically. Um, right. So. Right. Uh, I kind of grew up playing all three of those sports, like most people over there. So that's kind of became my athletic background that I used for my kicking. Um, so some of those have pretty good carry over to kicking. But uh, so when I came over here, just basketball wasn't happening. So uh, I wanted to uh, try to use my soccer background and try it out for the football team when I was a junior in high school or going into junior year. Uh, I played uh, one game junior year, got hurt, uh, so I missed the whole year uh, of a broken leg, uh, and then uh, played senior year in high school, uh, and then uh, off, after that, I was on to college, uh, played at the uh, University of South Dakota for three years, uh, and then I was able to break into the NFL after that. That's crazy. Now, did was like... Were you doing all of that to try to make it to the NFL? And, and did you know, you know, in your heart that you were going to be an NFL player? Like, did you have inspiration from your parents to do this? Or like, like what sparked you to do it? Uh, I did not think about the NFL uh, when I was in high school. Uh, I think like most kids, uh, I shouldn't say kids, like most parents of kickers, uh, I was hoping to get a college scholarship. Uh, so I can, uh, you know, go to college for free. Uh, yeah, that was a special for free. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And you know, I, I think a lot of it's even a lot more of a big deal for anybody coming from a third world country like Serbia or United States. You just want to stay as long as possible. So uh, 
it's not it's not even uh, getting education for free as much as it's just staying in America in addition to getting education for free. Yeah, so right, it was, right, right. There's a lot of uh, added uh, added pressure, and uh, it's definitely easy to get focused and motivated uh, when you have you know your future on the line, kind of based on your kicking. Talk a little bit about like the progression going from high school to college, and like the the difference of of uh, competition level, right? So like high school, you got a bunch of good players, you got a bunch of average players, a bunch of you know guys that want to just stay out of trouble. And then when you get to college, you get guys that have been practicing this for a long time and are the best of the best of their community. How do you go about uh, that approach and like competing in practice every day? Because for for a kicker, it's you got to be spot on all the time. So like, how did you uh, approach that every single day into practice? In college, and then uh, on your way to the NFL. Uh, well, that's a that's a pretty solid question. Um, you know, I, I think I like most high school kickers back in the day uh, when I went to high school in the late '90s. There really weren't that many camps and resources, and everybody kind of just practiced on their own a little bit. Some practiced more than the others, uh, but you know, you're just your natural uh, athletic ability and your kicking ability that you came with was kind of what most people went into college with. Uh, some guys were more talented than others. Maybe some guys got coaching, but it was kind of a wild west when it comes to people uh, figuring out how to kick, basically. So For then real. I got to college, and then, then it was, you know, this is like, again, late 90s, early 2000s. Um, I was just kind of writing my high school methods, <laughs> uh, just kind of kick and then kick more during the season and right before the season, kick less the other times. Uh, and then kind of once um, I had like a big change of change of attitude when I was a sophomore in college. And at one point I was I was benched, I literally. I was, I was the second to last game of the season and I was one of the worst punters in my conference. Uh, Were you just having like a bad year or what was like the, the deal? Like couldn't, you couldn't get a grip of the ball or like just bad kick after bad kick? Like do you, can you recall what the issues were? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, when when things were not going well, I had no idea how to fix them. Uh, so we we were playing our rival, South Dakota State, and we we're playing a close game, and we we're playing in a dome at home. And I just kept hitting like punts that were just going, you know, thirty five to thirty eight yards. Just that's it. I couldn't get any more. They were just very very subpar punts for the conditions. <laughs> Um, and there was nothing I could do differently. I just kept hitting a punt after punt, like six, seven punts in the game. They were same. Um, and I just kept getting frustrated, but nothing I could do about it. Um, and then my coach was just like, uh, told the other punter to warm up, uh, that he was going in. Uh, and then to my luck, uh, our quarter quarterback threw an interception and the other guy never went in. So I never got, never got benched. And then the coach last game was a road game. And uh, he chose to take me because I was experienced, giving a new punter uh, his first game ever away. But uh, I remember that that game thinking, I'm going to learn how to punt properly, how to kick properly, and then I'm going to learn how to mentally prepare properly. So even before that season ended, before the last game of the season, I I sought the help of uh, there was an NFL punter that lived in the area. Uh, I, found, I found a way to get in touch with him, reached out to him to ask for some uh, just pointers on how to punt, how to train. And then I reached out to a sports ecologist that we had on campus. It was a, it was a swimming coach uh, for our swim team. 
he had a degree in psychology, sports psychology. So I got after him and I was like, can you just meet with me once every week or two weeks? Just kind of show me how to assess my mental preparation, how to get, how do I find my top performance more often, basically. Because everybody has good days. And even that year that it was a bad year, I had days and games that were really good. I just didn't know what caused those good days. And I didn't know what caused those bad days. So I just wanted to educate myself mentally how to be a more consistent punter and then physically how to do it correctly all the time. That's a that's such a great answer. And like it goes to show that the great people, they figure out a way to hurdle their problems, you know. So, you know, you ask the good questions and then you figured out a way to seek help and learn. And that's a great example of what I want this podcast to be about. Um, and like you know, the kicker often gets like uh, portrayed as like the sideshow, the, 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 you know, the freak of the team, you know, it comes down to unathletic people, but like, I, I can't tell you how much I've related kicking situations throughout college and playing now at a high level flag, um, to like regular life, you know, regular life and people have good days, they have bad days, they have bad years, they have good years, they get after goals. And, you know, to, it goes to show that you truly have the power to fix things in the direction that you want to go with them, you know. So let's let's break down some of the mental approach. OK, so you're having a you're having a bad you're coming off a bad game. You go to the next game. It's a road game. You don't know what the stadium's like. How do you how do you uh, like get into the zone in pregame because this is something that's very big for me as I gotten older, like my pregame warmup, I want it to be the same. I want it to get me in the best condition to kick the best of my ability, but I also want to get in the zone mentally and think about one thing. Is there one thing that you, you like to do in pregame or when you were playing in the NFL or college? Um, sure, definitely. Um, I like to, uh, as, uh, as we get closer to the game day, and then on the actual game day, as we got closer to the hours and minutes leading up to the actual game, uh, I would really be harping on my mm. my thoughts. So not, not so a lot less in like two or three days prior to the game, but still mindful of it. And then as the the game day came and hours leading up to the game, I would be very conscious of where what I was thinking about. So it would be nothing upsetting. Uh, no dwelling on any kind of a worry that's in life outside of football. Uh, and then thinking about the, the actual game itself, uh, any kind of thing that's uncontrollable, that's constantly being repeated by either, you know, your team or media or something like about weather or different environment things or importance of the game. That anything that, anything, yeah, anything that I wouldn't give it any airtime. It, it would enter your head, uh, whether just, you can you you either fabricate it yourself somehow with your thoughts, or by people talking about it. But as soon as it kind of got in, they really didn't give it any airtime. Just kind of uh, moved on to uh, some positive image of uh, kicking well in a game, or just training well, or just feeling well overall. Uh, just kind of always replacing or redirecting uh, upsetting or negative thoughts or thoughts that about things that are out of control with something that uh, I'm completely in control. Yeah. Uh, and then. The more the more I did that, it was just it became very, uh, very automatic. That it was just like anything negative, it would just it would be almost instantly out of the system. It didn't even matter. It just it just kind of moved along really easily, really quickly. 
Yeah, the mindset of a professional right there. That's not easy to do. You know, at, you know, I'm a, I'm a high school teacher and, and uh, strength coach. And, you know, I like to unpack some of the mental uh, issues when it comes to sports because learning that habit to uh, just shun the negative, visualize the positive, like uh, an approach for me is I love thinking about the ball as it goes through the uprights, mm-hmm. you know? So like I ingrain that in my brain, in my pregame, every time I'm warming up, I, I think about the ball through the uprights. So I just, you know, you make that happen. You become what you think about type thing. But that's a, that's a true mindset of a professional right there. And it's not easy to do to train your brain to do that. Um, do you uh, teach your campers and, and we're going to get into uh, what the kicking coach is all about. Mm-hmm. Um, but do you teach your campers anything about meditation or breathing exercises? Um, I don't necessarily, uh, just because of the logistical standpoint, uh, with, you know, I I only have very limited amount of time with, uh, kickers that come to work with me. So we kind of focus on mechanics and then I talk a little bit about as we're learning mechanics, uh, I teach them about where to be mentally present at each, uh, at each stage of the kick. So that's kind of the extent of where I go. As far as like you should be thinking about this, uh, you know, measuring out the steps, you should be counting out in your head so you need to stay in the moment. When you get to your starting stance, uh, where to focus your eyes, how to relax your shoulders and take a deep breath to kind of release everything. So a few things, uh, not in the extent that somebody at higher levels or somebody getting like individual training would get at college or pro level, uh, but some some mention of it um to high school kids as well cool cool now going back to your uh your nfl time now okay so cody parkey missed a heartbreaking kick for the bears and, and a lot of chicago fans they get really upset because they tribally want to associate with their team and, and they take things personally and then you know anybody any regular guy that knows how to kick you know People are just kind of like, hey, the Bears need you. The Bears need you. Can you please let's clear the water here. Tell tell the people how many people are actually on the outside looking in who are kicking 70 yarders consistently that, you know, are having trouble getting looked at. You know what I'm saying? Like there are quality guys in every level you jump up, you know, collegiately, professionally. The, it just gets better and better with talent. So talk, talk, to, talk to the people about that. And the the struggle you had to go through in the NFL with how good the, the players were actually. That's definitely um, that's a very uh, it's a very good point as far as how many uh, how many people literally think that like just because you kick the ball at some point that uh, you can replace somebody that's kicking in the NFL. Uh, yeah, it's ridiculous, man. It's not easy. People are people are just crazy. That, that's it. Just goes to show how disconnected some people actually can be. Yeah, it's uh, anybody who kicks in the NFL. Uh, the guy, one of the guys that's on the active thirty, one one of the thirty-two teams, that there's no backups there. The starting guy there, and to get there, they didn't just have like a one, two, or twenty good days. They had to have a solid college career usually, uh, you, and then go through tryouts and competition with somebody else who's gone through the exact same thing, and be able to be better than that other pretty good person too, and consistent. And by consistent, I don't mean, uh, you know, 8 out of 10. Usually in practice setting. Uh, and Dude, 10 out of 10, 10 out you of don't 10. miss. <laughs> yeah, a bad day is 8 out of 10. And yes. That, and that's and that's over a very long period of time. The whole offseason, we're talking, uh, you know, April through the, through the end of August. 
with every day being highly uh, highly observed by the general managers and coaches and everybody being scrutinized every single day. So a lot of these guys, they can't even have bad days at, at work when, like like all of us, if you have a j- regular job, you can have a bad day at work and kind of hide. There's really no hiding. You're always in a spotlight as a kicker. Uh, so when you go to practice, it's not practice for you to get better. It's actually you are expected to perform at exceptional level at practice. So anybody wins that spot, one of the 32 jobs in the league, in the world, uh, you know, they've, they've really stood the test of time. Um, it's, they're the real deal, definitely. They're the real deal. And I always kind of kind of try to joke around or try to put it in perspective with my friends that are in different professions is if you think about uh, if you're an attorney or a doctor, just being you have to be one of the top 32 in the world. If you're the 33rd best attorney in the world, which would make you a pretty good attorney still, you wouldn't have a job. So that's crazy. That is, that's such a good point. If you think about it that way, it's ridiculous. There's a whole lot of good attorneys that are not in the top 32 in the world. Uh, that's kind of a, how competitive, obviously, professional sports and kicking is. Absolutely, especially when there's only 32 of them. You know, um, so l- l- I kind of wanted to ask you this, too, because I think uh, a few weeks ago, I'm not I don't remember what team it was, but uh, oh, it was the Seahawks because Janikowski pulled his hamstring and then they had the punter do field goals. Mm-hmm. Now, how important is it that a professional punter actually be familiar with kicking field goals as well? Like, don't you think that's a really big asset to have as a punter? Like knowing I, I know that the motions are both really different. Mm-hmm. However, like somebody kicking on the team is going to be the actual punter. And don't you think his skill should kind of transition over if you are a professional like that? I, I was kind of disappointed in that Australian dude. I thought he should be able to actually kick a field goal. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah what do you think um, about that? Depending on the background, honestly. You know, it's uh, I think somebody coming from Australia that they transfer their punting skills from uh, Australian rules football uh, rather than most American punters that probably came from soccer. Uh, you know, yeah. it's going to be a lot harder for him. He probably never kicked the ball off the ground if he never played soccer. That's true. Um, so, you know, it's from the team or business standpoint of NFL and the way teams are ran, to them it's not very important because it's a, such a fluke when a kicker gets hurt anyway. And That's true. They kind of figure they can just get by for the rest of that game and then they can sign a new kicker on, you know, the following Monday. Um, but, you know, I think for kickers and punters uh, to know the other skill – it was, it was in college, it was pretty important, you know, at the NFL level, uh, they're, they're so, um, you know, business oriented that the, usually they don't want you wasting your legs on, on anything, anything else, anything else. Totally yeah, the reps that are not your uh, primary skill. Yeah, that's that, that that's such a good point. Now, um, talk a little bit about your transition into coaching. Were you always somebody who, uh, has been in a mentorship role Did you find it natural that once you, you learn the real techniques of kicking and punting to teach the next generation kickers and punters, because 
kickers and punters have drastically transitioned from the no-name scrawny dude that kicks the ball to these like super fit athletes, you know, that are not just physically in shape and on par, but mentally in shape. Like you said, they're going from August all the way to, you know, February, some of these Super Bowl guys, and they have to be very sharp mentally as well. So talk a little bit about how you transitioned uh, into coaching. Uh, for me, it was uh, it was just uh, by accident. Uh, as as I was uh, wrapping up with the NFL, I was getting uh, less interest by the league. Uh, it was kind of for me. It was evident that I would have to move on with my life. Uh, you know, at a pretty young age, with still a whole life in front of me. What uh, age were you when you retired? Uh, twenty nine. Okay. So yeah, twenty nine is when uh, I was forcibly retired. Which is how most of the NFL players leave NFL. Uh, it's just uh, involuntary, involuntary retirement when the phone call phone calls uh, start getting farther and farther apart. Right, then right. It's time to start planning for the uh, you know the rest of the life. Um, so my education was uh, in uh, education. So I got my degree in education. So it, it it was really natural for me to start teaching people how to do how to kick well. Uh, it wasn't something that I've done a lot prior to actually starting the kicking coach. Uh, just at some camps, I helped out here and there. Uh, but uh, it, it, I guess it felt really natural for me just because of uh, that's kind of I was raised as a educator, I guess. And uh, sure. kicking is kicking is all I've known in my whole adult life. Uh, so at that time, uh, at that time, I felt like I was very highly qualified to be a kicking coach, a really good kicking coach, and I was very medium qualified to be a teacher because that's just something that I did for four years in college to learn how to be a teacher, and then I didn't do anything with it after that. Right, right. Where I've been kicker since I was uh, since I was fifteen, so it kind of felt like I could have done a really good job, and kind of it, it was a natural transition for me. Definitely. And really good job is an understatement. You have some quality NFL professionals, former NFL guys that, that are part of your tribe that, you know, come and, and help coach with you. And, you know, I think what really opened my eyes uh, as, you know, just a regular human trying to, you know, you know, challenge myself by kicking and seeing how far I can personally take my level to, to kick next to some of the guys that you bring to some of your camps, like uh, Greg Zerline, like Thomas Kinney, like Derek Dimke, Mike Meyer, Zoltan Mesko, like those guys were booming kicks. And just to kind of, you know, be an average Joe next to, you know, D1 caliber guys and, and NFL caliber guys, it was very eye-opening. And I think it's awesome for your campers that get to see that type of thing. So talk to, talk to me a little bit about some of these NFL guys today and like what they're doing differently to set, a, set themselves apart. So like, Greg Zerline, for example, he's kicking in the Super Bowl, and uh, you know this podcast will come out after the Super Bowl. But what is he doing differently? Coming from a D two school, not the biggest guy. He, I mean, strong leg and, and and super accurate. So what what's this guy doing a little differently than everybody else? Well, um, Greg Greg has always had a really strong leg, so that's one thing that he's he was born different with for sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but then again, you know, there's I've seen guys with legs stronger than Greg. And there's a lot of guys that are that have legs as strong as Greg that are not kicking the NFL. So he is doing something differently for sure. 
Um, and what? Hold on. Once, sorry. Let me let me pause you right there because that that is very interesting. So like, I remember uh, seeing a competition between some of your guys on a YouTube video, and Thomas Kinney actually like beat the crap out of everybody, Greg included. And like, you know, he's somebody that's that struggled to get NFL looks, right? Yes. Yes. So it's crazy, and there, I don't think I don't think regular people understand like how like like how competitive it is. If guys like him are beating Greg and not getting looked, and you know Greg's kicking in the Super Bowl, guys like Jake Elliott, you know, getting drafted and getting cut, making it to the Super Bowl, it's so crazy. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's uh, it's definitely, and you know, now that you uh, compared uh, Thomas to like a uh, uh, Zorline or Jake Elliott is the the biggest difference between those three guys is like Jake and Jake Elliott and Greg Zerline, they are so good on their bad days, like so good That's uh, crazy. that you would never know they're having a bad day unless, you know, you've known them for a while or they just, and they wouldn't tell you they're having a bad day either. That's another thing. Like they would just play it off as everything is okay. Yeah. Um, but there, uh, as we talked about, definition of bad days. Nine of ten would be a bad day. Uh, I know, I knew Greg for a long time. Even back when he was early on in college, he was not happy if the ball wasn't uh, right in the middle of the goalpost. Like if it, if it was kind of close to the goalpost, he would call it a miss it or a bad hit, even even if it, if it still went through. So he was pretty um, pretty dialed in uh, and pretty. Uh, self-critical from long, long time ago since he was very young. So he was that's kind of- signs of true professionalism right there. That's, that's something that your campers are, are really lucky to see. It's amazing. Yeah. It's, it's definitely uh, somebody like him is just, it's always positive too. He, he came out of a division two school and uh, he didn't even get invited to the combine. He was better than everybody there. Uh, you never, you talk to him. He always kind of like laughs it off. Uh, and just goes out there and kicks. So he didn't come out with a, a chip on his shoulder or any kind of bitterness. He always just kind of put it on himself and just did whatever he could do the best and uh, just uh, you know just try to hit a far straight ball every time. And if something is not going right, uh, he wouldn't he wouldn't he would try to figure it out on his own and then he would ask for help. So he would just send some videos, say, take a look at this, take a look at this, what's going on, this keeps happening. So just being smart about things and not uh, you know, using all the resources at your disposal and not uh, just uh, pounding your head against the wall uh, when you can get out of the hole pretty quickly. Absolutely. You know, he hit some pretty big kicks a couple weeks ago. As a coach, what, what, what were your thoughts when uh, you were watching those games? Um, I mean, I was just – honestly, I was uh, – Hoping to see a Greg hit a a, a long game winner. So dude, my, he fucking was, crushed that ball, yeah. Phil. It was, yeah, uh, yeah, that fifty-seven yarder that you know made it with a whole lot of distance, dude. Um, a whole ton of distance. I remember because I, I was in Florida watching that with my football team. We were playing nationals, and I was I saw that kick hit the the netting, and I was like, "That's good from like seventy plus." Jesus. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's it's definitely. I wish I would have been in a room with a lot of people that don't know about Greg or kicking. And I would have given him like five to one odds and just bet a whole lot of money that he's going to make that <laughs> kick. Because I'm sure not a lot of people think that 57-yarder is a high percentage kick. Um, but, you know, the Rams, they just give 
Zerline those uh, those looks from 60 plus all the time, and he's been getting them his whole career because coaches know that he's good from 70. Um, so like a 60, 65 yarder, uh, he doesn't have to bring anything extra. He just hits hit a nice easy ball, and that's kind of what he did. Yeah, man, he totally did. That's that, that was crazy. Um, I'm sure you you know I'm sure you were proud. Um, so where um, what's what's next for the kicking coach? Uh, what, when do you have your next camps? How can people find you? Um, give, give the people a little bit about, about that. What's going on next for the kicking coach? Uh, the kicking coach, it's, uh, it's pretty much, we have our camps. Uh, this is year 12 of being in the business. Uh, so, uh, we're kind of pretty consistent as far as like the locations and, uh, the format of the camps. Uh, so that's, uh, the website is, uh, thekickingcoach.com. So that's uh, T-H-E-KickingCoach.com. It's very simple. Uh, I try to do year-round training. So because I've been in business now for 12 years in the same location, based out of Chicago, but kind of work most of the Midwest, uh, I can get some really nice in, in the really nice indoor facilities and even in Chicago in the wintertime. Uh, so my role is kind of as far as, as I'm guiding the kicking coach, there's a whole lot of... Um, uh, direction in the kicking industry that's about college exposure, uh, which I think it's a it's a part of the kicking equation for sure. Uh, but there's a whole lot of people providing that angle, and uh, I'm trying to do things just a little bit differently. Still want to focus 90% of my efforts on developing people individually as as the kickers and people that they can kind of uh, use those skills to become good kickers and use that in life, as a matter of fact. So I try to be kind of honest when uh, it comes to assessment and training regimen. And I'm really holding people accountable to actually train and get better uh, rather than just getting them to, uh, you know, just keep coming to the camps. I really ask guys to put in, you know, a good thousand or two thousand kicks before I see them next time. Because uh, I don't want to see guys all the time without them doing anything on their own, because that's not really getting them to the next level. So uh, to you know, to wrap it up, to the the long story is, uh, I'm really trying to year round instill some good training habits into guys, knowing that really the key to kicking success is consistency of training over a period of time. So um, that's kind of my message. I keep getting out there. Keep kicking. Keep training. Keep taking regular baby steps in the right direction, and at some point down the, down the road, you're gonna look back and you got a whole body of work that you can be really proud of as a kicker. Yeah, man, uh, that's such great advice. Not not just for kickers, but how you know anyone that wants to approach life with a better attitude. You know, start simple, be consistent, uh, learn every single day, and and become better over a period of time. We're, we're we live in a in a society where everybody wants things so quickly, and uh, you know we lose patience. And really, to to develop you know something great, it, it's about the long game. And I, I really appreciate what you're doing, especially being a mentor to, to athletes and really uh, taking the time to work with them individually and develop them as athletes and as humans, man. I think that's so awesome. And uh, like I said, you you impacted me. You showed me a, a ton. I continue to follow you and I, I continue to, to you know, if you, you know, your, your Facebook messages, uh, your, your statuses and, and your unique opinions. So uh, again, man, I appreciate what you do. And 
thank you again for your time for doing this podcast. I think this was great, you know? No, uh, thanks for having me, Danny. I appreciate, uh, appreciate you having me on there. Uh, I always love sharing uh, kicking thoughts and uh, opinions and stories about kicking. Uh, so I think it's, uh, it's great that uh, uh, the young people that are listening to you or old people are listening to you sure. uh, can get, uh, you know, can get the different points of view from different uh, experts and people uh, that had experience in different fields. Absolutely, man. Life is all about perspective. And, uh, and I love kicking. It's taught me so much. It's, I, I still get really jacked up to go and do it. And I'm 30 years old. And, you know, uh, I, it's, it's just, I, I don't, it's for me, it's like going out and, and hitting a bunch of golf balls, you know, kicking, kicking a bunch of footballs in an open field in a nice, beautiful summer day and not this winter day uh, is something that's like de- de-stressing and it's fun to do. So uh, maybe we can do this again sometime and talk kicking, maybe a little bit post Super Bowl. You know, good luck to Greg and the Rams, and I hope they uh, hope they bring one home. Yeah, that'd be great. All right, buddy. Uh, just real quick, where can they find you on Instagram and Facebook? Uh, it's uh, the Kicking Coach is my Instagram and Twitter handle. So it's just uh, just the name, the the Kicking Coach. The Kicking Coach, people, yeah. awesome. Thank you so much, Phil. Uh, until next time. Sounds great, Danny. And that was the podcast, everybody. Check out The Kicking Coach right now, www.thekickingcoach.com. Go to The Kicking Coach on Instagram and on Twitter. Check out what Phil's up to. Check out some of the campers and some of the camps he holds, uh, the Chicagoland area, and really in the entire Midwest throughout the winter and the summer. Developing kickers from high school, college, and at the pro level. Thank you to the sponsors. Thank you to Action Coffee. Go to www.drinkaction.com right now. That's D-R-I-N-K-A-K-T-I-O-N. Go to their Instagram, at drinkaction. Check out what they have to offer and use promo code Danny at checkout and get 12% off your final order. Some of the best coffee around. Check out my Instagram, at Danny Cola Fitness. Let's keep in touch. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Have a great day.